We're We the People. And we're recording from the occupied territory of the Odawa, Ojibwe, and Potawatomi people. Or what you probably know to be Chicago. And the Chumash, Keech, and Tatavian people. Or Los Angeles. Guess what? We're all on stolen land. Take a second to learn whose land you occupy. And take meaningful, direct action to decolonize and restore these lands to their rightful stewards. Action items and resources can be found in the link tree on our Instagram, at We The People Present. Welcome to We the People. I'm Lionel. I'm Dana. I'm Asia. I'm Tina. Tina, weena, weena. Tina, weena, weena. Weena, 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 Where Tina weens, there's a way. Aww. And a wang. <laughs> oh, there, there it is. <laughs> ah! Oh, y'all. We're recording this not at our normal time, and we're going to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah It's going to be fresh. It's going to be funky. It's going to be... Unfiltered. Full of surprises. <laughs> Full yeah, of I just surprises. co-opted Lionel's sign off. Yes, yes, <laughs> Tina. Oh, um, um, let's get straight into it, shall we? I love it. Yeah. Um, we are. Uh, we are reboots. We are, the people. We are. We the people. <laughs> Re- um, reboots are really hot nowadays. Nice, nice and hot. Um, and so we thought, well, what? TV show would we reboot if we if we had the chance? So I'll and go first. Who would you cast? And who if, would you cast if you have an idea? See, this is a hard. I have two shows that I would absolutely do, but I have no idea who I would cast. So I would do Pushing Daisies, oh. which was one season, and it was a really cool, funky show. And Freaks and Geeks, would love to see. Oh, yes, Freaks, Freaks and Geeks. Geeks. Just cut tragically short. Uh, yeah. It, it totally was. So it was Undeclared, too, which was a good show, too. All those Judd Apatow TV shows. Um, yeah, but I have no idea who I would guess. I would do Family Matters. Aww. And I would, uh, but I want to be a new character. Yes. So I, You want to be? Yeah, I I would be Stefan. I was going to say. Absolutely. Uh, That's the first thing that popped into my mind. I want to be Stefan. Even like Steve Urkel is an iconic. What's interesting about Steve Urkel too is like that is. He broke the mold of what black male characters got to be, which was really cool. Mm. Like people joke about it all the time. But yeah. like, he is like a great mold of just like uh, almost like a queer representation in my way. Like there was something very much against the status quo, against the normal, standing up for just who he innately like was that like that people love to hate. But like he was phenomenal. I just love that character. And so it would be that one. It's just so much fun. How much fun. Can you imagine being him and being like, you get to play Urkel all of these years and then the <sighs> writer's room is like, guess what? A time machine. You're you're going to make a ma- not machine, a, a fucking <laughs> machine. You're going to turn to Steph Fine. And you get to play this entirely different character. Like, how fun is that? That's wild. That's an actor's dream. It's an actor's dream. Or a nightmare because he can't find a job a lot of other places. But oh, it's it's yeah. like, it's truly like opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I went like back to like Bewitched 
or like Ooh. I Love Lucy. Oh. I would like fuck up some I Love Lucy <laughs> uh, with people of color. I mean, I think she, they did a they did a great job for the time of like. I guess it's been a while since I watched it, to be frank. But like, you know, messing with gender roles and and all of that. They they started like she was like taking dipping the toe in for that. But I would go further with it or be which would be fun. But like with some like actual occulty stuff and people of color. Mm. But I don't know who I would cast. I didn't get that far. Yeah, that's usually like my favorite thing to do is like cast my friends or current famous people in like stuff that I'm watching but that was really hard to think of for me for this but I the show I would reboot see okay I wanted to say something like Firefly because it like didn't get a chance to be what it could have been but at the same time like I don't want to reboot that I just want more of the original original. so like I don't want to like try and reinvent it because how can it possibly be as good but I would love to see, and this is another iconic show and a show that I think is perfect and I love. Um, do y'all remember Taina? <gasps> oh my God. I always had plans to see my Taina name. So and la- Oh my God, Taina. I don't know. I don't know. What, what is that? What? No, I don't know what it that is It was on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Teen Nick. And we didn't have cable, so I had to watch it at friends' houses. Her theme song was like, Taina, Taina. I always have plans to see my name in lights. No one's gonna stop me. You'll see. I will go far. Taina. 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 I love when we just let Lionel sing a full song. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like... I was like, are they gonna let me cut off? No, we're gonna keep going. But it was so good. I mean, you basically did the whole thing. It was so good. It's basically just about this, like, girl. It was played by Christina Vidal, too. Um, who we love and who I met when the show was happening. She came and like visited my elementary school and I got to meet her. I I almost pooped myself. That's probably actually true. But But she's also the girl from Brink. Did you ever watch Brink? No. What is Brink? (gasps) I don't know. Did I miss? Skate better. Dana. Yeah. Never... Okay. judging me. That's okay. <laughs> Brink That's was okay. a skateboard. Brink was a skateboarding movie on the Disney Channel. I know looks yeah. true. Uh, roller skate. Roller skate. Was it roller? Rollerblades. Because he wanted to yeah. be on Team oh, it was X Blades. Because oh. he wanted to be I, on I X Blades. That's right. Because X Blades. Not roller. Not. It was. Yeah, rollerblading was big when we were kids. It was about these skate four better. Skate better. Just skate better. Oh, it was so good. Team Soapy Suds, like all day. Yes, what channel? All day. Is it on? Um, Disney Channel. Disney Channel. It's a decom, baby. Disney Channel original movies. Oh. Honestly, Ooh. let's reboot a bunch of the decoms, like the yeah. classic ones. That's I'm into it. Xenon, Smart House, Xenon, Xenon. I remember. <gasps> oh, I did watch Brink. What's the like, matter with me? I, was like, there's I remember no this way. kid. I had a crush on this kid. Oh my god, such a crush. I was like, there's that no way I didn't him. know that- it. Yeah, no, I, I wanted to braid hair. that hair. Floppy hair. But yeah, the girl in that is Christina Vidal. That's Taina. Oh, my best oh. friend Taina. You mean <laughs> Life with Mikey? Do I? Have you never? Have you seen that movie? No. no. 
Sunboy's cookies. She's incredible. Oh man. Okay. You are saying so many words that I don't know. Right <laughs> Look up Life of Mikey right now. As a kid, she I'm was. I'm going. I'm she looking. Was, uh, Get yeah. off my bag. She's awesome. I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, okay. Get off my bag. Get off my. Oh. Oh my God. And she was in Welcome to the Dollhouse. I don't remember, but y'all should watch Life of Mikey immediately because it's so cute. Did y'all ever see Welcome to the Dollhouse? No. No. It was so weird. I actually don't remember that much about it, but it's um in you know, um in Princess Diaries, the best friend. Yeah. It's her as like an awkward teenager. Oh. It's This looks bizarre. Wait, is it a movie or a TV show? It's a movie. Welcome oh. to the dollhouse. I don't I remember watching it and being like, this might be inappropriate for me, but I'm watching it anyway. <laughs> Here I go. <laughs> Love that feeling as a child. <laughs> You're sweating, thinking that your parents might come into the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, one of one of those movies for me was Jerry Maguire. Yeah, when the sex scene oh, happened, no. I would be like, "Oopsie." That was me just looking around, hoping no one can see me. Oopsie Daisy. For those that can't see me, I was looking around. Oh, well, y'all. What are we talking about today? <laughs> Microaggressions. Oh, thank you, Dana. Oh, 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 no. You're welcome, Aja. That was so good. I was like, that's not her name. <laughs> Lionel. Lionel was about to be like, excuse me. Asia, that's not okay. <laughs> um, Everyone, that's not how you say Dana's name. If you didn't catch on. One of the things that we've talked about multiple times over the span of our friendship, Dana and I at least, and Tina and Lionel also. Um, so all of us. Why me? But Dana and I, one of the things I think that we we talked about early on in our friendship was just like the frustration of people not ever pronouncing our names correctly. And like, I don't know, I feel like I'm learning that is a microaggression that I'm, like, now aware of and, like, fascinated by how often it happens. So often. Yeah. So often. Which is a we great... We don't know how to say Tchaikovsky. Mm-hmm. Correct. Which, again, I think today's topic of microaggressions and how they affect are just so important. I, I think about that, too, with, like, Lionel. How many people are, like, Lionel, Lionel, or, like, Lionel, like, Lionel Richie. It's, like... No, it's just, it's Lionel. It's just like Lionel. And like, I don't need to know what, I don't need to know how you are arriving at finally saying my name correctly. That's not yeah, for my right. journey, but yeah. I need you to arrive at my name correctly. It's Lionel, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the microaggression of like, oh, I've worked hard enough. I'm close. And it's like, no, it's not Aja. Yeah. It's Asia. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You don't need definitely. to take me on the journey of you like figuring out a basic skill of how to say my name when I've told it to you before. Because what you're saying when you say, "Oh man, it's going to take me a while to get that," is that my name is not important enough to you. I am not important enough to you to remember how to say my name the first time you meet me and you hear it. Mm-hmm. And that is like just astonishing that that is a part of our that is a common part of society to like. And I think. Particularly with BIPOC. And I said this before with this group that, like, I wonder if I were a white girl, if it would be, like, so hard for people to understand how to say my name. Like, mm-hmm. is there any part of it? And, I mean, I if there are any other Asians listening, I know you're out there. <laughs> 
please let us know mm-hmm. if if you are white and uh, and people also struggle with saying that because I just think it's so ridiculous. Yeah, Steely Daniel. It's not an ethnic name. It's a, it's an old hippie '70s band made up a song on an album about a dildo. Like it's fine. <laughs> check myself <laughs> to see if it was the whole if the name of the album no the name of the album is my is no, my name don't fact one check of the it. no i have to because someone somewhere someday is going to be like that's not what that album's about but it is what <laughs> one of the songs is about. To listen to this podcast one of the songs i think you're making two double points which is one you probably would work harder if my name was belonging to someone who was white two yeah you also again shouldn't be letting me know what a burden it is to learn my name. Like that yeah. is the privilege of like, oh, I'm working hard enough. Your name is just, a, I'm letting you know how taxing, I'm working hard to remember. I shouldn't know how taxed you are. That is a sign of like straight up privilege. Yeah, And it yeah. happens still to this day <sighs> and in spaces where I would think that it wouldn't happen. Like it's happened to me twice in the last like, month that someone's been like uh hey aja it's actually asia thanks oh oh god i'm so sorry i'm the worst da, 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 da. I'll, I'll get it i promise it's it's hard because it's hard because of this and i'm like i don't care just, just your name right. is that part i didn't need to know that it's hard because of this i didn't need yeah. to know that yeah so then how for y'all how do you all prefer that people go about it when they aren't sure because i mean like tina's not hard but my last name is a fucking doozy well actually no it's not it's not that hard it's pronounced phonetically um but for white people it's real hard apparently yeah um my last name is a two-parter it's muñoz pandia there's a letter in there that doesn't exist in the english language um too bad but like how do you prefer that people go about it when they aren't sure because for me i like there's no harm in just like asking one time like how hey how do you say your name like don't make a thing about it just hey how do you say your name i don't want to fuck it up and then I'll tell you, but you need to actually listen to what I tell you and then use that information. Because so often people will be like, hey, how do you pronounce your name? I don't want to fuck it up. And then I'll tell them. And then they like say something completely different. And I'm like, so you were asking to make yourself look good and feel good about trying to mm. put in the effort, but you didn't actually put in the effort to get it right, which is the whole point. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you all have any like things that you like that people do or or that ways that people have approached it for your names in the past. Can you imagine if you just like, we have all this amazing technology right now too. You've got a voice recorder on your phone. Just like have somebody record it. Have, record the name so that you're never going to fuck it up again. And just yeah. listen to it. Like that's not, to me, that's, that's innovative. That's like not just mm-hmm. direct. The more direct yeah. that you can be and communicative about shit like this, the better. Or if you're worried in advance, like go online and see if there's footage of this person saying their name. Right. You know? Yeah. I don't think and I, you know what? I don't I don't have a problem if someone does it wrong. Now there are instances like <laughs> Dana, you can't like it's like if I tell you if my name is Dana, I'm only gonna give you one more chance to not mess up <laughs> Dana. Okay? Like damn, <laughs> Dana. But you know, if I'm learning Tina's last name, I think that there is a respect that I have to be like, hey, will you repeat it for me? Okay, I'm going to practice that. Because 
Tina's pretty dope. I'm sure she knows, like, her last name is beautiful, but it's also not heard all the time. So, like, it's better to not be so presumptuous to think you're like, oh, I I got it, and it's wrong, than to be like, hey, I want to say this right. Can you just check me if I do it wrong? I think yeah. the microaggression happens when people remind you that you're going against what's normal. Like, mm-hmm. I'm frustrated because you don't have a normal name. I'm frustrated because I'm having to work harder. So I've seen it work where you leave out the emotion that you feel while working through this. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's white people wanting to center their own journey, uh, like when it comes to your existence, that gets me. Like you needing to make it about you and about how you're learning and growing when all I'm asking is that you say my name correctly when I've already told it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're putting it on me to center your feelings when you're the one who fucked up. Right. So just take ownership of it and move on. Yeah. I don't need to know your journey. I don't need to know. This This. This has now become about you when it's my yeah. name. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you've made it about you when we're talking about my name. How did that happen? And I get the impulse to like, to like want to articulate your journey because I think a lot of people are doing that now. Like, I think people are, a lot of people are in the process of learning a lot about anti-racism and about like sensitivity around that kind of thing. And so like, I think people want to share their learning or want to share that they're like working on it or growing, but like, there is a time and a place for that. And, and usually it's with other white people. I think we should say what microaggression is. Agree. Um, it's a mm-hmm. statement, action, or incident regarded as an instant of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group, such as a racial or ethnic minority. Just in case anybody didn't know. Um, Asia, tell us about your dildo journey. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> so it's not the album. The name, Steely Dan is named after Steely Dan 3 from Yokohama, which is the name of an oversized steam-powered strap-on dildo mentioned in William S. Burroughs' psychotropic textgasm, Naked Lunch. Speaking of white people shit, Jesus Who knew? <laughs> and I have to double fact-check myself, and I'll have to triple check fact-check myself in a minute, but apparently the name Asia might be... Uh, well, it might not be Korean, but it potentially was written after someone who was Korean named Asia. So I feel like that would be hilarious because I feel like the whole time you're always like, and Asia isn't even Asian. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, that and that brings up a whole different point that like I used to give people reference to fucking remember my name. Like, hi, my name is Asia. Oh, that's an interesting name. Yeah, if it helps, I'm Asian. Yeah. Like I would use my my identity yeah to help people remember my fucking name mm-hmm. and that's just ridiculous and i still fucked it up because you don't like trust people enough to care enough to fucking remember what you tell them about yourself this yeah. happens with pronouns all the time too and it drives me right up the wall like when someone says their pronouns the first time because i feel like a lot of the times when you're meeting new people in like group settings like people say they're at least in the circles i run and people say their pronouns so, like, listen, pay attention, and, like, take note of that for yourself so that you don't misgender someone. Because it, like, 
it happens so often where, like, someone clearly states their pronouns, and then, like, two minutes later, someone will misgender them, and I'm just like, were you listening at all? Like, that stuff is important to actually clock. It's not a time to check out, because we're, we're not just saying this stuff for, like, shits and giggles. We're saying this so that people don't cause harm later, and so that you don't have to go through the process of, like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, I'll get it right next time, or oh, I'm so sorry, it's hard for me to, like, I don't care what your reason is. Just don't do it and just listen the first time. Well, and like Lionel was saying, like, don't make a big deal about it if you mess it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, just say, oop, sorry. Yeah, say don't it make it my job to apologize, to forgive you or right. to say, oh, it's okay. Just correct like, yourself and move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I just feel like for those of us who are severely empathetic, we then take on your your guilt and your, like... Mm-hmm. Like we start feeling bad that you feel bad, and that's not. It's also something that you know you should be aware of that you know people are taking that on too. If you're feeling bad yourself and you're like kind of you're, you're just dumping it like on the other person <laughs> without noticing, or without <laughs> without actually like being aware of it. So just just don't dump, don't dump. <laughs> No dump. There is a time and a place for dumping. Yeah, don't take a dump. <laughs> On people. Yeah. Are <laughs> due. Um, <laughs> I was just, I was going to say too, just like with microaggressions as a whole, I, I think it's interesting to take a step back to be like, what is the nature of a microaggression? Like when have examples of when we've seen them pop up, examples of like ways to steer around them. Like I will start. Perfect case in point of, one I heard my entire life. You're so articulate. You don't sound yeah. you don't sound black. And Thanks. the thing about this microaggression is numerous things. It's meant as a compliment. It's meant as a compliment. But what it is not is a compliment. And the reason why it is not a compliment is because what it's just implying is that somebody has never heard intelligence spoken on black bodies what it's saying is i've never seen anyone like you be so well off and it's really like historical it's like people being surprised that black people can speak so well and that comes from media that comes from like if they don't know black people to know this about them representation only showing black people in a certain light like cops is a terrible show cops cops like created the microaggression that oh oh, you're not a dangerous black person because they only saw dangerous black people. So it's like, I think also getting to roots of microaggressions is worth a conversation of like where these things are birthed from that people feel Mm -hmm. exhausted by learning new names. Is it because they're taught that certain names are normal? You know what I mean? Like getting to the root of microaggressions are interesting. So I guess I ask you all, how do you all dismantle microaggressions in your circles and not looking at the extreme people of like you're a dumbass like deeper like how do y'all go about disarming microaggressions or maybe you do just say fuck people i don't know thoughts i don't yet i'm still at a place where i don't necessarily my name is the first microaggression that i recognize when it's happening everything else i realize later or i don't realize at all and someone else is like that might do you want to talk about that? <laughs> Do you want to examine that? And I'm like, oh, like, I feel like I don't even ra- realize when it's happening sometimes until later. 
to you, like when they don't even have to me when it's happening to me. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I used to. I remember, like, when I was in high school, people because I'm multiracial, like people would say, like, "Wow, you're going to be able to get into whatever college you want." <gasps> yes, and, like, bitch. I... Yeah, I mean, that's a classic one of like, "Oh, you're not white. You're something else that's you know different and interesting." So like, you're going to have it easy. Scholarship. Like, oh no, affirmative action exists to like a bare minimum, like address historic racial inequity in higher education in general and it doesn't even do a great job of that because white women are the number one beneficiaries but anyway (laughs) when people like (laughs) people would say shit like that to me all the time and at a certain point my tactic back then which is I'm not endorsing I'm endorsing the opposite of this is I would say it first I would say it before they could say it to Mm. me so that I could what? have ownership of it. Like, I know what you're going to say, and I'm going to say it first. So number one, you don't have to say it, and I don't have to hear that come out of your mouth. But so you also know that I know that like, that I'm aware of this about myself, yeah. which is like a horrible thing to do to a fucking person to make them say that about themselves. And like, it took a long time for me to kind of like, and I still do it sometimes of like, I'm going to say this before you can, which is like, just slowly, you know, chips away at your own sense of like, comfort in your own skin and who who you are and and the you know your right to take up space in the world um but that's that's an unhealthy example of how to handle microaggressions i don't know if i have like a tried and true strategy now other than just saying like um other than being firm and direct and not like saying fuck you but like maybe having a little tinge of fuck you in my voice of like no i said my name it's this i'm not going to say it again so if you want me to say it again now this is the last time like just being firm and direct so that people listen mm. but even that doesn't feel good like no. even then i like you know i internalize that because i feel like i was an asshole so it's still me doing a lot of the emotional work when all it took was someone like doing the bare minimum mm. Mm. I can't. Here's a great another one for y'all. Thoughts. I just love unpacking <laughs> microaggressions. Oh, I'm I'm colorblind. Like when I look at you, I don't see color. <laughs> oh my God. And the reason why it's such a micro I, I have thoughts on why I feel like it's a microaggression, just on the basis that the statement itself just to me it it's dismissing what other people's races are telling you. But like that is such a microaggression because the thought of it is a compliment, right? Like the thought of it is, yeah, I, you're more than your color. But am I? Like I don't associate you with your color and that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. As opposed to like, I see that you are this and that's great. That's you. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I see that your color and I see your color. And I know that's not a good thing. So I want to see you as a person. Such an interesting sentence you just said, which is so spot on, which implies yeah. I know what your color, what I what, what I think about your color. So I'm giving you the chance to be different when the very fact is I am not different than my color. I am my color. Mm-hmm. So microaggressions are interesting because I feel like they they're all about isolating. They're like isolating you from an incident to give you a compliment. They're like, I like you. This is a taxing situation, but I like you. So I'm willing to do this for you. It's almost like saviorism. It's also mm-hmm. like like a brag. Like I think they're trying to compliment themselves too. Like I'm above it all. I don't yeah. see color. And it's like 
No. That's yes, not, you literally do. It's not. You're literally you absolutely. You don't, the like, fact that you living, just said that to me. Yeah. Means that you absolutely do right. see it. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. But I think it's a way that they, like, for so long, it was a way that people complimented themselves. They were like, I'm different. You know? I don't yeah. see. I don't see color. And it's like, uh. Yes, you I, do. <laughs> it's like the people who say like black, brown, blue, purple. Ew, you know, I can't like, stand them. Like I can't. It's so. I know. I can't. <sighs> like literally, if I'm on a first date and the guy is like, I don't see color. It's like black, purple, pink, yellow. I'm like, bye. bye. It's also the check. <laughs> what you're seeing is the check coming to the table, bitch. Because I gotta go. Oh god. I gotta go. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. So there's one that uh, my family experienced a lot too you know they're a bunch um but the the treatment of people who don't speak fluent english as like their first language and that association with them somehow being less intelligent oh that's like Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's a microaggression or rather that's just like straight up racist but (laughs) that is something that is connected a lot especially with my mama, who is very, very intelligent, but who has an accent because she moved here since when she was 23. And English is not her first language. Arabic is. So, like, that's also something that makes me see red before I'm able to <laughs> adjust. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, like, it depends on the day. I know, like, sometimes I'm, like, depending on the microaggression, because I'm so, like, fierce with my family... It's actually um, really difficult for me to experience microaggressions for them, yeah. as opposed to myself. When it's my family, I get mm-hmm. I I get really ang like I get I see red first. It's something I'm trying to work on, but it is I'm fierce. Like I, it's the most it's the most angry that you will ever see of me, and that's difficult for me because it's like. The English thing pisses me off so fucking much. Because it's like, how are you saying that this woman who knows now three languages, but because her English is a little broken, that she's any less intelligent than you because you don't even know her fucking language? Yeah. You didn't learn Arabic. Like, all you all you know is English. Fuck you. Right? The elitist... It's such an elitist thing. I see it all the time, right? If somebody only knows Spanish, they're like, oh my god, like, those Mexicans need to learn English when they come here. But meanwhile, they can speak fucking four other languages. It's the idea that America is just such an elite. Just It just oscillates. It's like, I don't have to learn another language. People learn us. That is it. It is It is literally the wildest thing. I know exactly what you're... I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. Yeah. There's a treatment of like, almost like... Well, one, people speak louder, which is... <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> That's are they break up the English? Or they break up the English or they speak slower. <laughs> like often all three, all, the, a delightful yeah. cocktail of the three. Oh my god, it's uh, I see red. I'm like she knows English. But even if she didn't, like you sound <laughs> you sound like you don't know English. <laughs> you're the one that sounds like they don't know English cuz you're speaking so slowly. Anyway, I mean, thinking about that Prince Harry Meghan interview, yeah, and all of the, all of the, all of the many many microaggressions 
that poor Megan had to go through. Well, I mean, it really, it shows how that shit builds up and weighs on a person. Like, even the strongest, most resilient person, if that shit keeps happening, like, it weighs down on you. It, It affects your mental health. It affects your physical health. It, like, affects every aspect of your life. Yeah. It's almost like a study of what happens when you're forced to just, like, sit there and take it. Because she couldn't leave. Like she couldn't. Could y'all um, say some of the stuff that happened in the interview for people that didn't get to see it or haven't watched it yet? Yeah, they basically denied in the in the tabloids. It was said that Megan actually made Kate cry when the opposite happened, and nobody corrected that. Well, what was the the interview was with Oprah? Yeah, mm-hmm. and what were some of the microaggressions that mm. that were talked about in that interview? I'm Googling it, too, because I haven't watched it yet. I think I think to answer the question, Asia, that you were asking, um, or like we were answering, but I think like to catch it up is the idea that Oprah sat down and did an interview with Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And in the interview, Oprah wanted to get down to the nitty gritty of how did it feel to leave the royal family? What was really happened? What things did we hear that was coming out of tabloids from there? And what things actually coexisted for you and your family? What was the safety like for you and your family? And how did it feel occupying space specifically as a woman of color going into this royal family? So they just dived into microaggressions that dealt with that. Like specifically one where they talked about the birthright of the son and how they didn't want to offer Prince Harry's son any kind of birthright at all. And also they- never been done. Uh-uh. Ever. Ever. And they were worried about, because they were also worried about how dark he was going to be in office. Like, if he held a spot in the in the royal court. When, by the way, Megan is biracial, but they were, like, worried. The fact that they were worried about how dark a child was going to be, so they were already removing rights from it and stripping it. It really, really took me for a loop when I think about, when I think about how. That royal family and 2020, 2021, allowed for an entire culture of people to say this about a person. So as much as we can do all this like mini work in and out of here, the reason why we are sitting here with this podcast today is because on a broad scale, there's an entire palace of people who allow the oppression of a group of people freely, openly, <laughs> daily. Like that, that is why we have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the British monarchy, you know, like, listen, I'm a British citizen, so I can say whatever the fuck I want. But, um, like, the the surprise that, like, this is a thing, number one, like, especially the stuff about being worried about how dark this child is going to be, like, number one, like, you shouldn't even be thinking that. And it sucks that you're even thinking that. Number two, you do not express that to the mother of this child who is a black woman. Correct. Even if you're thinking this horrible racist shit, you do not say that to the person that it's going to hurt the most. Like, that's where microaggression turns into cruelty. And, like, it feels like not all microaggressions are intentionally cruel or intentionally mm-hmm. anything, but they all hurt and they all suck. And they're all bad and need to be, like, addressed and fixed and not happen again. So I think it's like twofold of like, number one, you shouldn't even be thinking in this way. And number two, you do not say that to this person because that's going to do nothing but hurt them 
and it uh, does absolutely nothing to you. But also the British monarchy, like, I don't know why we're so surprised when, like, they're responsible for, you know, mass genocide and imperialism and, you know, colonialism and horrifying shit all over the world. So, yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, Lionel, it's all fucking connected and it's all, it's not an individual thing. It's a cultural thing. It's like a thing that exists globally and and within cultures too like you know even like in in latin america colorism is a huge thing in india too where some of my family's from is a colorism is a huge thing so like yeah. it exists on many levels and i think addressing it on the individual level is something we can do as ourselves but addressing it on the macro level as a group you know the four of us on this podcast or like you know activists as a group of people like that's something we can do to actually try and initiate change on like a structural and cultural mm-hmm. level yeah and remove the shock like i know it i don't know how many times we're gonna have to like <laughs> say that something is racist if it's a white institution but we just we just gotta stop being so shocked so that we can get to the work quicker um and that's that's a that's a big thing mm-hmm. the other uh yeah, echo everything that Tina just said. You know, colorism is a big thing in, in our in my culture too. It's something that we have to actively fight all the time. And um one of the biggest things that they removed was protection for the kid, for the baby. And that I don't know if you, I don't even know if that's like a microaggression or not. I think it's just an aggression. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just cruelty. Just to have an entire system operating like that. I mean, it's just it's so embedded and it's just such a rehearsed nature and it just it re the thing with microaggressions this is where i think it gets dangerous microaggressions reinforce hatred and violence among the group that's oppressed and that's why microaggressions are such one they're just awful because they they rob you of intimacy and integrity and understanding and transparency with people but what they facilitate are circles and realms at which violence can ensue and hatred can continue to happen over and over again yeah yeah what are ways that people can start to recognize microaggressions as they're happening and maybe not even coming from themselves but like in conversation like being on the lookout for that because the more you can recognize it the more you practice recognizing it in, in others, the more you will learn to censor your and like reteach yourself and like understand when you're participating in microaggressions. Because um, that's something that I mean, I don't know the answer because I'm still like I said, I'm still like teaching myself to understand when it's happening in real time versus like realizing two hours later that, oh, uh, that didn't sit well with me because it was bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I think the first step. There are a couple of steps that you can take here, but I'm I'm attaching to um, learning your unconscious biases because that is something that exists in all of our heads. It's something that was fed to us through the media, through whatever, and they exist. Your unconscious biases exist. It's a fact. So I think you need to learn them, understand them. There's like the, the there's this Harvard uh, study that I can. It has some flaws, but that's like a start, I think, um, that a lot of people use to discover their unconscious biases. Um, And we can attach that to our Instagram. But I think that's one of the first steps is discovering 
what your unconscious biases are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think those relate to, um, like, saying things that you didn't mean to be racist or kind of racist, but you do. But that's what they were. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and to that point, too, like, the impulse is so often to, like, you know, hear that something is racist or that, like, be called racist and immediately assume that that, that people are saying that that makes you a bad person across the board. Like, I think the assumption is that, like, racism is a choice, is a conscious choice that people make, like, to be racist, and that, like, being racist or saying something that's rooted in racism automatically makes you a bad person, like, in every way. And I think, like, yes, racism is bad. Racism is, you know, unequivocally a bad thing. But if someone calls you out for saying something that is rooted in racism, I think you have to divorce yourself from the idea that that automatically means that they're calling you a bad person. Mm -hmm. When all they said is, that thing you just said is racist. And, like, being able to take that in, clock that, and instead of getting defensive about it and what it says about you as a person, like, taking it in and saying, like, oh, that's bad. And I don't want that in my brain, so I'm going to, you know, restructure the way I think about this thing. Like, there are some people who choose to be racist and some people who are actively and unapologetically racist. And there are some people who just don't fucking know and, like, say shit that isn't okay and then, like, get defensive when you call them out on it because they think that makes them a bad person when in their heart they feel like their intentions are good. So, like, people shouldn't be allowed to slide like let that shit slide but i think people also need to like give themselves the opportunity to actually learn from something instead of like you know shutting down and like getting defensive about it yeah well and i think that makes me think of to your question earlier lionel of like how do we respond to a microaggression like i think you were asking us but i think if you are starting to understand and see microaggressions and don't know how to approach people about it i would say do it privately because like the the best way to get someone upset is to like embarrass them in front of a lot of people so i would say like if you notice a microaggression i would just reach out one-on-one however you feel safest to do so and just be like hey this is what I heard or like this affected me in this way or, you know, like give like let them know, but don't do it in front of people because that might close them off. I'm sitting here thinking about it and I I think it goes back to how do we identify microaggressions? I think we have to train ourselves to be aware of being gaslit first, like the idea of people saying things that is just like this is common knowledge. Like we have to start challenging everything we hear and say and then even more specifically i think that we have to start challenging when we make examples of people or when we hear examples of things is this an example using broad strokes or is this like something specific to me example like uh, going back to the name thing that we know like is my name difficult for you to say or and why is it difficult for you to say is it because you've never heard names like mine so then it's like if you're getting frustrated or if like you're getting worked up or you notice people get worked up when it comes to names of people who are different to me that's like identifying that oh that's a microaggression because it had the basis of them getting annoyed or mad or myself getting annoyed or mad is based off of like a culture of a person versus like can you please stop running the water when you brush your teeth like that's not a microaggression that's just like 
that's just something that like I can be annoyed or upset by, right? Or I can be like, I'm taxed by the fact that you do that. So I think the difference in identifying is like, is it justified by this person's action or is it justified by this person's existence? Yeah. That would be how you start working towards it. Yeah. And I mean, I think a good rule of thumb is anytime that you are diminishing someone's identity and the things that make them who they are and not paying attention to the things that make them who they are is, I think, what leads to um, the beginnings of microaggressions. Mm -hmm. So like our names or our pronouns or, you know, the languages that we speak or the color of our skin, the things that that uh, the food we eat the food we eat because honey let me tell y'all i'm gonna call it like it is it's not just white people we keep saying white people it's not just white people i have gay friends male gay friends who literally are like he him they them zip uh, zip zap ah the pronouns things is hard i and and like let's be transparent like we we keep putting it on cis white people and it's not just them i know people in marginalized communities who are oppressed and are also not taking the time out to be inclusive in the same way mm-hmm. that they are asking for it. And that is also a big problem of this recognizing microaggression because we're not teaching people that they're wrong. We're just teaching mm-hmm. people like get enough people on your side to be to agree on that or not agree on that. And then like, great, that can be the joke, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, it has to do with a lot of different things, but mostly it pertains to our, you know, the people's identities. And I think what it comes down to is when you, besides the racist portion, when you, um, you know, experience a microaggression, you feel less important. Like you, yes. in that yeah. person's eyes, you feel like you don't matter as much because you didn't take the time to understand who I was. And that's mm-hmm. where, or like my existence is a burden to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. That's where that's the that's the you know part of the hurtful part is like you're not paying attention to who I am, my mm-hmm. my existence. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think just like easy questions you can ask yourself when you're about to say something, anything. You know, I I don't care what it's about. Like anytime you're about to say anything to anyone. Ask yourself, is this necessary? And who is this for? Because I feel like so often microaggressions happen when people are speaking out of their own sense of insecurity. Yeah. Or like for themselves to like help articulate things out loud and place that burden on the person that they're talking to. So like... If you just take time to ask yourself, like, who am I saying this for? And, like, do I need to say this? Mm -hmm. Is it necessary for this conversation or to say to this person? Like, do they need to hear this? I feel like, you know, on a very human individual level, like, that's a way to at least start to, like, avoid saying unnecessary shit that just, like, chips away at the other person's self-worth. Yep. Yep. That's right, though. Like, that's right. Like, that gets me mad. That gets me lit. That gets me lit because that's exactly, I just agree. That's just going to be really hype. Mm-hmm. And that leads to, like, the fucking bullshit cancel culture argument when it's just accountability of for saying shit that you said. When you say yes. something, when you fucking say something and it's wrong, be accountable 
for your actions. This is not a cancel culture, like, that's that makes me see red immediately, too. That whole, like, you're trying to cancel me because, no, just take responsibility for the thing that you said that was hurtful. And saying that is making it, is centering yourself again. Yeah! It's just a constant mm. cycle of centering yourself versus the person that you have wrong uh, pr- probably unintentionally uh offended or isolated or harmed yeah. in some way yeah and like i also quickly just want to speak to the idea of like i don't know if it's nece- i think it is necessary just to touch on because i feel like i don't know that anyone who listens to our podcast potentially would like be like well it's your problem if you perceive something that way and you take it personally like first of all it's not i think tina you were saying like that's doing harm because I don't want it to sound like, I mean, it doesn't fucking matter what it sounds like. Like, for whatever reason, I was like, I don't want people to think that, like, by someone saying my name that I, like, go home and, like, cry about it. It's not, the harm isn't always just for people to put into their minds that maybe don't experience microaggressions or, like, don't experience, like, being othered because of something about them. Um, like, it's not necessarily even about, like, harm that is hurting a person or making them emotionally, like uh upset or or you know it's just the fact of caring about other people and not, oh god what am i trying to say I, I you know we say doing harm and i don't want people to think that you know saying someone's name incorrectly is like doing harm mm-hmm. but over time like understand that over time hearing things 10,000 times people mispronouncing your name people get like sending microaggressions at you however unconscious or unintentional or well-meaning they are over time it's just a beating and it's not like every time we get hit with it it hurts really bad but just think about a i mean like plants or you know they did experiments on water where if you say certain words to plants or water like it has a negative effect on them over time like that's an experiment that has been done and if you're a human absorbing that every time internalizing it and then anytime you speak up you're met with resistance and aggression and uh someone making themselves the center versus understanding that they can do better like that over time is so it's just unnecessary like it's it's just, it just sucks. Think about uh, COVID, right? Calling it, having a, a president call it the Chinese flu is yes. a microaggression. China virus. And yeah. what happened? Sure, it was a running joke for a while, and then it turned to murder. It became a joke, and then it became a threat. And then it became And now violence. it's Asians being attacked on the streets yeah. still mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. 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 To your point, it's it becomes a thing over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, like, it's not necessarily, at least for me, like, when someone, you know, fucks up my name or, like, says something that's intended to be a compliment that's actually super insulting, like, yeah, sometimes it does hurt me a lot. And sometimes it doesn't affect me at all. But what does hurt me, even if that, like, thing they said or the action didn't hurt me, is the knowledge that so- there are people out there who think this way and mm-hmm. don't even give it a second thought. Yep. Yeah. And you, it, I think I, I knew what you, I, I'm going to try and attempt to finish your thought, Asia. Um, I, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's accurate to measure your behavior based off of the emotional, <laughs> based off of the emotional response that you get from somebody. 
in that, like, what I mean by that, um, because a lot of people will say, like, well, you know, my 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 brown friend, you know, he he doesn't have a problem with that. One, you don't know if he doesn't have a problem with that. Yeah. He just didn't fucking tell you. Two, that shouldn't be an emotional response from one person. Shouldn't be your baseline for this entire thing. Right. We're not all the same. We're not all the fucking yep. same person. And and it should just be part of your anti-racist work. It should not be based off of one or two or three or four people and their individual responses. And don't show me your work. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to see it. I mean, like, even this conversation, y'all, I don't know how you guys, you, you all feel, but, like, for listeners, like, I'm exhausted having this conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's with people mm-hmm. that I love. Same. And, like, we all same. feel the same way about it. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. imagine, imagine having to have that conversation either internally or externally every day. With defensive people. With defensive people or internalizing it and just saying, well, you know what? It's not even worth it to have this conversation with this person. Like, having that be a base level thing for you. If you've never experienced microaggressions, then what a nice thing (laughs) for you. I mean, for me at a certain point, like, it's not even like dealing with it when it happens, but like existing with the constant knowledge that it could happen. Mm. Like, which is why I love affinity spaces so much. You know, like if I'm in a, in a show where like it's all Brown people, I fucking have the greatest time ever because I don't, I don't constantly have my guard up that someone's going to say something unintentionally or intentionally shitty. Yeah. Because like, it's just like a, a mechanism that I have built up over time. I'm sure that y'all have in some other respects too, but like you, you, have a little eye out when you're surrounded by for me when i'm surrounded by cis white men i have i have my guard up i'm constantly looking over my shoulder like waiting for someone to say something shitty my butthole is clenched to the heavens like <laughs> let's put you know, a piece of coal in there so it turns into diamonds tina <laughs> <laughs> honey white men white women mm-hmm. it's honestly mm-hmm. the girls can go on board with you with the men i can't they both can get on the same board i wait for both of them to make a hey sis comment because if I hear a, another straight white girl tell me, hey, sis, absolutely, I'm not. First of all, there's like two levels of that happening right now. But that's not what this conversation is today. But it kind uh, of is, though. Isn't it that, kind of that, is. Isn't that technically be a microaggression? It's exhausting is yeah. what it is. But it is a microaggression because it's 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 putting familiarity and an identity on us being of a relation. That's not true. It's, Mm. it's making me palatable for yourself. You know what Mm. I mean? It's a way of dismantling Mm. myself to make you and I relative for whatever need you need to do that because seeing me as whole is not it. And if you say, well, it's because I say this to other gay men, that's totally different vernacular. You don't get to like, you know what I mean? You don't get to pick and choose when I'm in wholeness to you and when I'm not. But I will say, being called Ooh. cis by a white woman is a whole different level of microaggression. And that's on yeah. period. <laughs> so if you're a white woman listening to this and that's something you do, like, listen to what Lionel just said. Take that information. Remember it. And if you talk to Lionel in the future, don't fucking say that. Yeah. Like, that doesn't, you do <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that every person feels that way. But that's a good thing to check in on with someone. Like, if you don't feel comfortable asking someone if you can call them that, then you probably shouldn't call them that. 100%. Yeah. 
Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Do I need to say this? Who is it for? Well, y'all, I feel like this is a good time to wrap. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've talked about things that people can do to listen and listen. Um, Listen. Listen, Barnaby. And and the idea to like microaggressions, there's no perfect way of like landing. No, you know, there it's a work in progress. And it's different for I think that's a big thing is we're not a monolith like Mm -hmm. any BIPOC in general or any like group of people that you want to put together in your head like not a monolith like everyone responds to things differently everyone has their own feelings about certain words and Mm -hmm. questions and ways that you can address them like just don't assume anything yeah one thing okay this is totally well not totally off topic because i remembered it just from what you just said but i'm just 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 worth bringing up we don't have to have a conversation about it because i feel like this is a whole other thing but i have recently been reading a lot of stuff about how BIPOC is there's a lot of confusion about what it's intended to represent and and who it's intended to speak for and a lot of stuff i've been reading recently is about how it's intended for Black and Indigenous people of color, but not people who are not Black or Indigenous. Oh, wow. Hmm. Which, there's a lot of, like, conflicting stuff going on around that, but I feel like it's just important to verbalize for, you know, for us as we continue to have these conversations and for the people listening of, like, maybe look into what specifically that means because it has been used and misused in so many ways that, like, I think there's a lot of, of confusion and a lack of clarity for a lot of people about what what these phrases are intended for. Well, even that word, like, I feel like I I haven't researched it in a while because the last time I looked it up, it did say that it included all people of color. So it's mm-hmm. like it, it the, the, the scope is always changing and it's in your best interest to continue to educate yourself always. Yeah. Thanks, so Tina. So that's your homework. That's your action item. Do some research about that and we will too. Yeah, and I'll... Yeah! I'll, we'll connect this um, unconscious bias Harvard test oh, yeah. that you can take kind of yeah delve deep in that i should take it we should take it and talk, discuss what our results were in the next podcast i took it also just google common microaggressions there's a lot of them <laughs> yeah you could do that too and when someone introduces themselves to you listen listen barnaby listen barnaby Aww. <laughs> Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in. This is We the People, where we like to keep it fresh, funky, and always unfiltered. Till next time. Rate to review and subscribe, my friends. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> the problem we edit that COVID. <laughs> I think people should hear us cough. Okay? I don't think people should hear us cough. Um, <laughs> the cough is triggering. Uh, the cough is triggering. I have both vaccines. Um, uh, <laughs> trust science. Hashtag trust science. Um, but <laughs> like you have Moderna and Pfizer. I have and, jo- and Johnson. He went in for four. And, and Johnson, Johnson and Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> I've got yeah. I've got Johnson and Pfizer, Moderna. 
yeah, yeah. Johnson and Ferrona. Johnson and Ferrona. Like, Give me a cocktail. <laughs> uh, I'm just picturing Lionel in like sunglasses and like a silk headscarf with a martini glass full of the vaccine. <laughs> Dirty, shaken, not stirred. <laughs>